Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a special podcast which has been recorded for listeners of the Autosport Podcast and our Race of My Life mini-series. I'm your host, Alex Kalamokas, and with me today is a very special guest. It's former Formula One driver, Jean Alessi, who is the subject of today's joint episode. So, Jean... Welcome to our two podcasts. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Also joining me, we've got two more special guests for a packed episode today. We've got Charles Bradley, Global Editor-in-Chief at Motorsport.com and Jonathan Noble, F1 Editor, also at Motorsport.com. Charles, as you're further away from, from us, you're in Miami, John, John in the UK with me. Um, how are you doing? Very well, Alex. How are you? All these podcasts, all these uh, big news stories, getting prepared for things, F1 coming back. John, you must be feeling the same way. How are you? Yeah, it's all gearing up now for the start of the season. Not so far away now. So it seems that we are going to get back on the road soon. Fingers crossed a sense of normality will return. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Although we will come to some contemporary sort of motorsport questions and, and, and topics to discuss uh, with Jean at the end of today's episode. But first of all, Jean, we'd like to talk to you today about two races in your career. Uh, first of all, one that's celebrating a big anniversary this week. It's the 25th anniversary of your victory in the 1995 Canadian Grand Prix. And it's also going to be your birthday on Thursday. So first of all, how are you feeling about that? First of all, you know, I, I'm a bit sad because um, I, I will, uh, in a few days, I will be uh, not 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> 26 then. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Obviously, you know, I... I, I love this day. Uh, the birthday for me, it's uh, a special celebration. That's why I'm in Sicily because it's where my family, uh, 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 we are, I'm originally from, uh, my parents are from Sicily. So I'm, I'm very pleased to be uh, on this land. And, um, and of course, you know, to speak about my, uh, 
my uh, younger time it's uh, always a, a pleasure absolutely well let's let's go right into it on on that 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 famous day in montreal in 1995 uh, your one and only formula one victory i don't think that's a particularly fair representation of the speed you showed throughout your career all those exciting drives but certainly one of your most famous so i wondered if we could start in 2020 and how you feel looking back on that result today well you know this result was um just um, a confirmation of uh, a tough time i had in formula one um you know, from my first race, uh, I was fighting for uh, for a win because I finished P4 uh, on my first race with the Tyrell. And uh, the following season, uh, I joined uh, the, the team Tyrell for the, the full season and I fight with Ayrton Senna for, uh, for, for the first place on, on the podium from lap one to, to the last one. So, you know, uh, it was a bit frustrating sometimes uh, in my career to uh, to stop for mechanical problems or to have a, a something that was not uh, working uh, properly, and then I had to um, uh, to finish uh, the the race without a good result. So that that was difficult for me. That's why you know the the victory in uh, Montreal was a, a kind of uh, uh, freedom uh, on my mind. Absolutely. Now, John, if I could bring you in here, I wonder if you could just, uh, just, just for anyone who's not aware to listening to what we're talking about in 95 in Canada, if you could just talk us through the events of the day, what happened? Well, Jean, I've seen, I watched the video replay um, this morning. I mean, a, a sensational first lap. I think you, you made that move past your teammate Gerhard and David Coulthard spun off in front of you. It seemed a bit of a, a moment there for you early on, wasn't it? Yeah, because, you know, uh, the circuit was, um, we, at the time, you remember, we had a warm-up. And uh, on the morning, early morning, this warm-up was uh, completely wet. So we started with uh, rain tires. And uh, I finished P1 on the warm-up. And I had a very good feel of the car. Uh, I, was, uh, I was really dreaming to have the, the race on wet, but it was not the case. We started with a slick, but the car, the circuit was... Uh, not 100% uh, dry, so it was very slippery. And when um, I make uh, the, the move to overtake um, uh, Gerhardt, I was not thinking of uh, overtaking on the same time uh, also uh, um, David, and I think he, he spawned. So it was a, a very tough time, but um, I, uh, I catch up the car because my car was also sliding and uh, I make this very good overtaking. Yeah, then the race progressed. You know, Michael seemed to have it under Michael Schumacher had it under control at the front, then had to pit for the the gearbox problem. What what did that change in your kind of mindset? Then was that an, an instant switch when you thought, you know, this win can now be mine? Yeah, exactly what's happened. You know, I, I remember very very well. You know, uh, the public is very close to the track uh, in Montreal, and uh, when it happened. I start to see a lot of movement in the in the tribune, and um, from the airpin going back to the pit, there is a big um, uh, TV screen, and uh, I I start to 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 watch on the TV screen, but I miss the 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 image, so I didn't know really what's happened. Then when I pass to the to the pit, my uh, mechanics didn't have the time to to put my position, so I was still P two. And then I said, okay, nothing uh, different. I continue to, to, to push. And then I was really 
the, the public, the, the flags, everything was a, a big, uh, big movement around me, you know. Then when I came back to the pit, I saw P1. From this moment, I had a, such a, a huge emotion inside of me, I started to cry. And uh, it was not uh, uh, something intelligent, because, but I was not able to, uh, to, to control it. And uh, when I, uh, I was breaking to, uh, to turn one, I had the, the, the tears in my eyes and uh, it was uh, not easy to, to catch the, 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 the right line. Then I, I've been uh, very angry to myself and uh, I start to slowly uh, to understand maybe it's my day. How nervous are you about the, the fuel situation? Because I think Gerhard had a, a problem. He'd run out of fuel on the way into the pits because the team hadn't calibrated the amount of fuel correct. Was that a worry for you in the, the countdown? Because we saw you run out of fuel just after the, the, the finish line. <laughs> yeah, we, was, we, we were very tight on, on fuel. Uh, at the time, regulation um, allowed us to, uh, uh, to make uh, the race uh, with uh, one stint. We, we had to stop uh, anyway, but we were also, we had the, the choice to have two strategies and we decided to, to do one. But um, uh, the, the rules in the team was that the, the driver was leading the possibility to, to decide when to stop. And that was, uh, for me, uh, my luck because I just uh, catch the right moment for refueling. Gerard made an extra lap. And then when he positioned the car to, for the pits, the car stalled. He had no fuel, really. It was like that. For me, it was in, uh, in lap. So that was good enough. <laughs> And we've seen those, the fantastic scenes of you stood in, sitting on top of Michael's car as he brought you back into the, the pits and cheering on. What do, you, what do you remember of those moments? I was unbelievable because when I stopped at the hairpin, the, the public was really uh, um, sharing my name and uh, enjoying my, uh, my win. Because, you know, uh, where I've been very lucky is to win in Montreal, the same circuit, and the same way that Gilles Villeneuve won his first race. So the public um, uh, threw me, uh, imagine uh, Gilles uh, on the time, on the, uh, at the time, you know. So I was, uh, uh, from uh, uh, the, the fan, I was uh, keeping like, uh, I was uh, from Montreal and I was uh, Gilles Villeneuve. So everything, all this mixture together make uh, a special day. And uh, to be honest, it was a huge uh, party for me, not uh, going out and having party with some friends, but just having party with the fans and with Michael, because when he, he brought me back to the, to the pit, uh, I said to him, look, I don't care if you had a, a technical issue. I really enjoy my win. <laughs> and uh, it happened to me to give me, to give you uh, the position. So... Uh, let me enjoy it. And he said, yeah, of course, you know, he was happy as well, you know, it was a good time. I wonder if, if bring, to bring in Charles here, I, you know, what, what, what was your, what are your memories of watching that race? And, and, and you know, what was the reaction of, of fans around the world, fans of Formula One to, to Jean's result? Yeah, I just remember jumping up and down at home, uh, cheering him on. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a, a fantastic victory. And as John says, that riding back with Michael on the slowing down lap, just, uh, just sort of, uh, Topped it all. Uh, Jean, you, I think you spoke to Luca de Montezemolo. He wasn't there in person, was he? I think you got a phone call from him. Yeah, I had a phone call and um, uh, 
is um, he was a very characteristic uh, uh, president and um, he was also uh, very emotional when he talked to me uh, and he, uh, he said come back to uh, uh, to Europe I have a surprise for for you and and the surprise was um, uh, actually organize a, a trip to uh, to uh, Vatican to uh, to see the Pope wow. and um, that, that was a uh, also very good for for me to have this opportunity that's very cool and yeah i think the, the reaction around the world was uh, was just kind of yeah you deserved it because there'd been so many near misses before that and even even in that that year you'd had runner-up positions in argentina and san marino i mean the argentina race you even spun on the uh, on the first start you had to run back and get the spare do you remember that yeah i remember very much and uh, you know uh, actually a uh, very good uh, uh a souvenir of um, uh, the Argentine Grand Prix because I had a crash on the first on the first corner, but I had the possibility to come back to, to the to the to the grid and to take my uh, my T car, and then I finished a second with it. But what I remember very well is uh, on TV I was uh, seeing my, my car was always full of uh, fans because they jumped the 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 the, the barrier and they. Uh, they was going to my car and having the picture everywhere, you know. And then when the car came back to the box, it was no stickers anymore. <laughs> they, they stole all the stickers on the car. <laughs> it was so funny, you know. The, 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 the Ferrari mechanics didn't know what happened with me. <laughs> Shows you everybody wanted a piece of history very clearly. Well, I mean, let, if, 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 if we're okay, let's move on to, to Japan 95 and, and your Race of My Life pick. And I thought it's very interesting reading the feature that ran in Autosport magazine and we've got also on autosport.com where you say, of all the things that happened in my career, I had to pick a race perhaps where I didn't retire as the race of my life, or where I did retire as the race of my life, which I thought was very good. Um, I mean, it was it was also a very a very dramatic day, a wet race. You'd qualified seconds, but uh, at the start, you were judged to have jumped the start, which I know from reading the feature, a decision that you clearly didn't agree with, having uh, gone to the FIA and said, uh, you know, so long as I don't pass, uh, pass the start of my pit box, I'm, I'm sorry, the start of my grid box, I'm, I'm not going to have jumped the start. But you get a penalty, it's an early call to switch to slicks. You charge up through the field, survive a spin, keep going, eventually catch Michael Schumacher himself still leading, and then a drive shaft fails. So, would you would you say it's a race that had it all in your career? There, you know, I uh, I was upset because uh, I went to Roland um, Brunserat at the time was uh, the uh, uh, race director, and I explained to him and said, "Look, I have three pedals on my car." I have the clutch, the brakes, and the throttle. I cannot brake, put the, 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 the power down, and the clutch. On the, on the same moment, it's very complicated. So um, I was in the first row, and I said, if the car is moving and I'm not, um, uh, I have no advantage on it, please uh, understand the situation. And he said, yeah, don't worry, as long as you are not, uh, making a, a better start, I will not uh, punish you. And the car moved, yes, but I, on turn one, I was just be, behind Michael, and uh, suddenly my team, uh, after one lap or two laps, they call me and say, uh, drive through, jump start. So <laughs> I went so mad, you know, I went to the radio and they said, okay, let me, I pass once, but I come back immediately slick. And the team said, no, no, it's wet. It's a slick, slick. 
I, so I pass once. I pass the second time, and the second time I stop. We put the slick tires, and uh, I, I, I drive uh, like if, I, if it was my last day of my life. You know, I gave everything. I was pushing like I, I, I have no idea how I, I kept the car on, on, on track. Actually, once uh, I make a, a 360 on the straight, but I catch up the car and uh, I went back on, on, on the race. But it was nice. It was nice because I don't know for, for which reason, but the, the tires was working a little bit and with a little risk, uh, I was very, really flying. Did you ever get an explanation from the officials about why you were given a penalty when they assured you it would be it would be okay? Uh, yeah, I have the explanation, and I say you move. I say of course I move, but like before the race, I I came to you to to tell you I will move, probably, but please understand the situation, the technical situation. So you know, uh, then I found out, and and that is what I say to my son. Never argue with a race director or to uh, anybody who has power. <laughs> and uh, it's just a wasting time and uh, just to try to be uh, clear in the rules and, uh, and then your life will be easier. When Autosport ran the, this is what's interesting doing this po- new podcast now where we talk about the race of my life picks for some, some very famous drivers, some who are very sadly not with us anymore, some, some who are still, and you know, we can, we were very lucky to be able to talk to you today, John, but it's interesting because, you know, your perception of, of one choice or one standout moment in anybody's lives can, can of course change over time. So as we've got you now, I hope you don't mind put, putting you on the spot. Would you still pick Japan 95 as the race of your life or, or would it perhaps be Canada or, or even another, another drive? No, uh, I stick with uh, with Japan, uh, even if I've been uh, quite lucky to uh, uh, have a, a good races. Of course, you know, the first race of your life in Formula One, it is something special. I was P2 at one stage of the race, and then I finished P4. Nobody expected me. Uh, I was scared about the Formula One because it was a big car. But um, Suzuka 95 was uh, different. Uh, because I, I gave uh, really, like I told you, uh, more than everything. It was uh, the last day, the last uh, uh, hour of my life, every corner, you know. Charles, John, any, any, other, any other races you'd like, to, you'd like to discuss with John while we've got him or any particular burning fan questions that perhaps you might have from when you were younger, Charles? I was, I was just going to say, I, I looked up the stats for the uh, Japan uh, 95 race and on lap eight, John, you were 51 seconds behind Michael and 11 laps later, you were one second behind him. So you gained 50 seconds in 11 laps on Michael Schumacher. I spoke with Michael uh, because we were very, very close. And uh, he said to me, uh, when you, are, you have been uh, closer than, uh, than one second, I went to, to the radio, to the team. I said, he's in the same lap. <laughs> mm, and Rod- yeah. And Ross said yes. But you had the penalty. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just going to say also, obviously, uh, Spa and Monza that year were another two victories that could very easily have gone your way apart from, you know, reliability problem. Yeah, it's true. Um, Spa was uh, actually uh, my, uh, the consequence of Monza because uh, usually uh, we, um, when the car is going back to Maranello, they, they change everything, and especially the, the bearings of the car. And uh, because in, 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 uh, in Spa, 
I, I did only six or seven laps. I don't know exactly how many because in the low rouge with a downforce, the, the push rod uh, was uh, uh, going, I mean, uh, too much pressure and then uh, the, 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 the push rod uh, didn't resist of the, the weight. And, uh, and the car came back to Maranello and they didn't change the bearings because they say, okay, we don't need it because he didn't make the full race in, uh, in Spa. In Monza, the bearings uh, explode and uh, I had to retire. Were you as angry then as you were in uh, 1994 when you drove home in a rage? No, because I had a long, I mean, I had a dinner with Montezemolo and he said, please, John, whatever happened in Monza, <laughs> jump out of the car and don't make any uh, trouble, and more, more trouble than what we will have. Because Ferrari in Monza, you know, uh, the old Italy is waiting for, for the results. And uh, uh, actually the fans, they are so much behind you. If you react not on the correct way, then they react also on the bad way. And that is not a good example. So I understand by my experience, because in 94, it was also very frustrating to, to pit and to stay in the pit because uh, the gearbox didn't work anymore. You set a new lap record on the way home, though. Yes, yes, yes. I, then I was in, uh, in my mother's house with my brother. And I think my brother, he has no hair from this day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> John, can I just ask you about Phoenix 1990 as well, Those that fantastic battle you had with Ayrton Senna, which still stands out you know, for many people, those, those few corners. Do you still recall those as perhaps your favourite few seconds in F1? I, it, it was one of my most exciting ones because uh, I have to admit I was P5 on the grid and uh, I was not expecting to make a race like that. Uh, from uh, P5, I was uh, leading turn one, so very good start. And then in my mind, I just, I just, I, I was um, thinking of my friend in Avignon who was watching the race, and I said, I hope I will, I will finish at least one lap first, you know, because it, I, I had only eight race experience in my whole life in Formula One. So I was just thinking of my friends at the bar in Avignon watching the race. I say, okay, Jean is leading uh, Formula One Grand Prix. Then I understand I was uh, able to uh, to pull pull out to pull away, you know, and uh, and I was uh, enjoying and I was pushing, pushing, pushing. At the time, the t the Pirelli uh, tires I was uh, uh, I had on my car was um, made for the full Grand Prix. So I, I I knew I had no pit stop to do. I had the fuel on. And the tide was uh, reacting very well, but uh, of course, you know um, the, uh, the the power the, the power of the Ferrari and the McLaren with the Honda. Um, when they had less fuel, they start to be very fast. And then Ayrton stopped. I don't know, maybe uh, four or five laps before to catch me. And uh, with the new tires, I had no chance. And of course, you know, I was just not waving at all. I was just waiting him and say, okay, if you pass me, I will give you a hard time. And this is what I did. I gave him a lot of hard time, breaking very late. He broke he break even later, but uh, I crossed the line. I, I was really uh, enjoying this moment. And when you, when you overtook him, because he, he got past you, then you overtook him again. Did you give yourself a little smile at that moment? 
not really a smile because uh, I had a lot of respect for, for him. And on the same time, I, was, I watched all his races uh, before to be in Formula One. And I, I knew he was a, a pit bull, you know. So I said, uh, now I need to be careful because he's going to be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> why did you, uh, you had one of his T-shirts on that day? Can you explain why? The story is um, this season, the, the Tyrell was managed by uh, McLaren and uh, all the, uh, the commercial side. And um, I was on a grid with a, a normal T-shirt, you know, with my name on. And uh, one guy from McLaren came to me and said, uh, you're not allowed to put that. It's in cotton, you know. And I said, okay, but who cares? And he said, no, it's not possible. I said, but I, I don't have it, you know, in um, Nomex. I said, okay, don't worry. He, he ran to the pits. He went in the McLaren uh, motorhome, I mean, the, the box, and he took one of Senna. And uh, I changed. But I, uh, when I changed it, I saw the name on, on the front, you know, Ayrton. So I put my, uh, my overall and I finished the race. When we were in the, in the press conference, uh, Ayrton said oh, uh, to me, uh, where are you coming from? Because of course he didn't know me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, well, you know, I was in, uh, in 3000 with Eddie Jordan. And I said, but today, don't worry. Um, it was two Senna driving. And he said, oh, what do you mean? And I showed the T-shirt, you know. He started to be a bit uh, red, very upset to me. He said, where did you get that? I said, no, it's, and I explained the story, you know. But the problem, then I understand uh, later on, he, he had all his staff uh, going to a special uh, church priest to be sure to have no problem, injury, and whatever, you know. So he was very jealous of his staff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jean, of course, you're still heavily involved in motorsport. And, of course, your son is racing as well now, too, in uh, in Formula 2 for a couple of years, and obviously in, in 2020 as well when the season gets going. So... First of all, how are you finding being uh, being a racing dad and supporting your son's career? Uh, it is, uh, you know, the best moment for me to to uh, to hear from him. Uh, yeah, Papa, I would like to be a racer because uh, I have and I love motorsport. I've been in, I'm out, but to have the son in again, it is a, a very good pleasure to support him. So. It, it, it has been so far a, a good moment uh, until now. Not easy, 100%, because uh, uh, it, it, it is a different world than, than the Formula One world. And uh, I found out uh, not easy to get in a correct team and to have the, 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 the top, uh, the, 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 top um, uh, uh, the top team behind uh, Giuliano. But... He makes some good results with the Formula 4, with the Formula 3. He won uh, four races. The Formula 2 last year was difficult, but the team was uh, not at the level, I would say. But now we, we have a very good, very good um, team, and I'm sure, and I'm very happy that the, the championship starts. How tough is this season going to be to manage, both from a, you know, your son's mental perspective, but also on the, the commercial front? Because you know the, the pandemic has caused series to be halted, you know, sponsors aren't so easy to find now. Are there some difficulties that need looking at? Uh, John is going to be uh, terrible. Terrible, why? Because, uh, of course, you know, in our category, we pay for, for driving. Uh, the, the teams are, are not, um, they are helped by uh, 
like Giuliano, he's a Ferrari Driver Academy, but uh, we have a, a small help from, from Ferrari. Ferrari is like a sponsor, and, and on the same time, they, uh, they, gave, they, gave to the, they give to the driver a lot of support, uh, technical support. But uh, money-wise, you need to, to pay uh, the, the teams, and uh, the price up uh, in Formula 2 very, very high. So most of us, most of the, the father, we have system to, uh, to pay for it. In my case, I, I'm on a racetrack. I bring some, uh, some sponsors, uh, some partners to Formula 1 paddock. They enjoy the, the weekend in, uh, uh, with, uh, with Giuliano. And on the meantime, they watch the Formula 1. That is going to be uh, over because this season, uh, everything is, is going to be uh, just drivers and the, the, the technical crew. So uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, facing some uh, troubles already. The team, the, the sponsor are not very happy to, to follow it because they, they have no advantage to be on a Formula 2 car. And uh, that is going to be very difficult. Do you think this is something the FIA should maybe look at? We've, we've seen them do a lot in Formula One. We've seen a, a cost cap come in. We've seen um, rules get delayed. A lot of cost has been brought down in Formula One, but we haven't seen much happen in the junior categories. Is, do you think something needs to be done from the, the higher level? 100% because that will make a, um, um, a value of the kids. Because at the moment, you know, if you just look for the Formula One, uh, I understand, of course, this uh, terrible situation of the pandemic, but F1, they need to, uh, to race to have income from the TV. Uh, the, the junior category is different. They need to pay to race. So maybe it was uh, um, because the effort from uh, uh, Ross and uh, Jean Todd was massive to make happen this uh, this uh, championship but maybe they they should think about it is a case to make uh, the f3 or, or the f2 happen because most of the driver will have a, and will face a, a financial problem you know so if uh, at the moment they understand and they try to help the drivers that will make a, a, a big difference Jean, when you say the drivers will face a financial difficulty, does that mean as in completing this current season? Of course, of course. I'm talking about this season because next year, everybody will face a problem. F1, uh, F2, F3, everybody. And, and that is logical. Uh, what's happened will make for at least two, three years um, a, a dramatic uh, impact on the economy. So uh, when you will go and with a, um, um, a proposer to a, uh, an eventual partner and you talk about motorsport, it's not uh, the image of um, uh, the company to, uh, to support uh, kids or uh, F1 team. So it's going to be uh, the next uh, few years very difficult. I'm talking about this season. This season is... is the, the drivers who had already uh, some uh, sponsorship, the sponsor pull out. They already send a letter, say, okay, bye-bye. Because uh, you will have everything in two months. And in these two months uh, time, 
all the sports around the world, they start on the, on the same time. So what will be the space for F2 when there is a, a Champions League, uh, the, 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 the Italian football uh, uh, Serie A, and then F1, and then the sports car, and then a, a GT all together? going to be difficult what do you think can can be done to help in this in the short term does it need maybe a, a fund from the fia is that can the costs be brought down that much you know um the solution i i, I don't have it because uh there is a uh, and we have seen for the f1 there is a very um, accurate uh, group and especially you know jean todd or ross brown these people they, they, they did everything in motorsport. So they understand the mechanism. So they, for sure, they, they have a, they, 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 they know, uh, how to, uh, to react. I, I hope uh, it will be, uh, quick enough to save, uh, to save, uh, this season for, for the kids. Do you hope that something happens kind of before the season starts so people understand now rather than we get to September and, you know, top drivers can't finish the season and we have a, a bigger crisis then? Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, the way it, it, it happened for Formula 2, they um, announced eight races. So already the, the sponsor you have, you make some magical uh, talk and you kept, you kept them for the championship. But for the moment, it's eight races. Can it's impossible to go back to them and say, "Okay, uh, I'm sorry, it's not eight; it's 12. Or sorry, I tell you the last race is going to be in Abu Dhabi. No, it's not Abu Dhabi. We will do just Bahrain, Bahrain. You cannot talk to uh, people to a certain level, and from one day to the other one, you change uh, the destination. You change uh, the program to people who pay for it. That is a problem. Mm. So uh, at the moment they announce eight races, but they say and uh, may, maybe uh, as soon no not maybe as soon as possible we will uh, tell you the rest of the races. They need to understand you cannot talk like that to a sponsor, and that is the reason why already now some pull out. At the very least, a, a, a more open dialogue would certainly be beneficial. But I just wonder, John, if we could ask uh, one last question. I mean, just staying on this same subject, how have you and Giuliano been preparing with all this uncertainty? I mean, for, for a time, no one even knew when the F2 season was going to start and, and whether they would be allowed to come with the with the F1 team. So how has that been sort of just, just keeping him where he needs to be to perform? You know, uh, it was my role as a father and also, let's say, kind of manager to uh, to keep him out of this kind of uh, problems and say okay keep uh, keep uh, do your uh, training keep uh, go to uh, Maranello uh, do your simulator session talk to your teams and be focused to have all this race in 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 one go in two months time the championship is is finished you know so he He's young, he understands. Uh, they talk together with uh, the other uh, drivers. And um, I hope everything will go well. But so far, they are exciting to go back on track. 
Absolutely. As as we all are very much looking forward to uh, to racing resuming, the action coming back. We're already seeing it happening in the IndyCar paddocks, the NASCAR paddocks, and it'll be fantastic once we can finally get back to some form of normality with Formula One and the support categories as well. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna bring this podcast to a close here. So I'd just like to say, Jean, thank you very much for coming on the Autosport podcast and at the same time the Race of My Life podcast. Uh, it's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy also to see Charles. It's a long time I haven't seen him. <laughs> you need to come to Miami, my friend. <laughs> Visit me. <laughs> Great to see you too. Thanks. A highlight to look forward to once all the travel is allowed again. Well, yes, John and Charles, thank you very much as well for joining us. And thank you to you for listening. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. Marcus, what happened? I was changing my oil and I spilled some on the floor. Oh, we'll use these $50 bills to wipe it up. Perfect. Got any more? Yeah, yeah, take a couple hundred. Stop. Instead of using money, use an old rag. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.